0: This week on Hyperspace Broadcasts, Skeletor comes to Earth, but fortunately has no real interest in it. One welcome to another episode of Hyperspace Broadcast, a show where two real friends dig through Toonami's back catalog and try to determine what's worth revisiting. If anything, I'm Michael Doke, And I'm Peter Eby. And this week, we are not actually watching something that aired on Toonami at all, uh, because nope. it's our New Year's special. So welcome to 2021, everybody. We're a week late to the party, uh, but we're watching the live-action Masters of the Universe, based on He-Man and the Masters of the Universe and oh boy is it a movie that is glorious <laughs> yeah it 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 yeah it's it's gloriously something <laughs> yes so He-Man we've talked about in the past when we covered the uh 2000s like reboot but just for a brief recap, basically, it is a Filmation cartoon series that was essentially a commercial for a line of toys made by Mattel. Uh, the storyline is about a Prince Adam who lives on Eternia and can use the power of Castle Grayskull to transform into He-Man, who's like a Conan-esque kind of hero Uh, He has a special sword that allows him to transform and also harnesses the power. And then his nemesis is Skeletor, who, of course, wants to take the power for himself and use it for all kinds of nefarious purposes. Uh, You you may also remember we uh,
1: this, you know, a version of He-Man did air in Toonami, the He-Man and the Masters of the Universe cartoon from from like 2004, I think. Yeah, that's Uh, the one I was referring to earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah. And w- which, yeah, we covered earlier,
0: um uh, last year now. Right. We-, we covered the first season. We'll cover the second season at some point in the future. But for now, we're just talking about Dolph Lundgren as He-Man. Uh, <laughs> because frankly, who else are you going to cast as He-Man? Like, that was actually a great choice. Yeah. Yeah. Dolph Lundgren definitely has the look for it. So yeah, this movie was released on August 7th, 1987. It was directed by Gary Goddard and produced by Golan Globus and distributed by the Canon Group. So the Canon Group is something that I could go on about for a while. I yeah. will refrain from doing that and suggest instead that you watch the documentary Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story of Canon films. Uh, you can find it on YouTube It's a very entertaining documentary that does a very good job of breaking down their legacy, but as kind of a summary, basically the Canon Group was a collection of companies that were producing a lot of mostly action-oriented B-movies in the 1980s, and... Uh, it was run by Menachem Golan and Yoram Globus, and they were sort of hustlers and over-promoters. For example, they claimed that this movie was Star Wars for the 1980s. Like... they <laughs> No. <laughs> frankly, yeah. they were just two really interesting approach. characters. Yeah, oh yeah. And yes, that is an overstatement of the century, <laughs> <fuck's> possibly. <laughs> uh, so... This movie did quite poorly. Uh, It had a $22 million budget and only made $17 million. It was the third highest grossing movie of its own opening weekend, which is pathetic. Oh, yeah. That's In general, Canon Films was in kind of a decline period when this movie came out. Like, this and other big movies like Superman for the Quest for Peace are part of the reason that the company eventually ended up basically falling apart. Uh, Yeah. Because they're just movies that they put a bunch of money into and then didn't get it back, and that's kind of how it works. Uh, The director, Gary Goddard, has said that the movie's aesthetic and story were inspired by a lot of comic books, but specifically jack kirby's fourth world comics those being the ones with like dark side and orion apparently he wanted kirby to do production design which would have been amazing but didn't end up happening uh, and he has also said that he dedicated the film to kirby but the dedication was removed by the production company which is great so <laughs> yeah that seems a bit harsh <laughs> yeah i don't know i guess they just didn't want to do that so, moving along to the synopsis, uh, we begin with Skeletor's forces capturing Castle Grayskull with the use of a device called the Cosmic Key, which is this weird little thing that yeah. generates like a musical portal. I don't really know how else to describe it. Well, it's just the
1: universe. The universe is music, Doug. According to our friend Gwildor, the uh... <laughs> yeah, the inventor of the Cosmic Key, <laughs>
0: the inventor of the Cosmic Key, who is
1: this heinous little. He looks basically like a troll doll that someone left under a heat lamp. Like, he is like, he's got like wild orange hair. He's very
0: short, and his face is completely melted. Yeah, or like, he kind of looks like a troll from Troll 2, but done by someone who's better at makeup, but not a lot better. Just yeah, like. Yeah better generally kind of just like a,
1: a very elderly uh troll doll is, is really what i keep coming back yeah to.
0: yeah that makes sense and he's definitely not orko uh because no. orko would probably <laughs> require some special effects so yeah so there's this cosmic key skeletor is broken into castle grayskull and he-man Tila, and man-at-arms are the heroes of the hour because they rescue gwildor and then they try to rescue the sorceress who's trapped in Castle Greyskull and Skeletor is like draining her power. Uh, but Skeletor's forces are too numerous and they're forced to leave using their Gwildor's cosmic key. Skeletor also has a cosmic key, by the way. There's two cosmic yeah. keys here.
1: So just he keep, keep that in he has, mind. He has like the prototype or something and Gwildor yeah, has right, like right. the good one or I don't know. But
0: anyway, it spits them out on Earth.
1: Yeah, they desperately try to escape, enter in some random coordinates and they get spit out on Earth uh the cosmic key by the way it should be noted looks insane it's just like this crazy device that kind of looks like a drill that's made of size like size like the ninja turtles weapon (laughs) that just spin (laughs) around and then like like, it also just
0: tuning forks
1: yeah yeah and it also just like spits out stupid music and lights that are pretty (laughs)
0: Which is good, because uh, we're now introduced to our two teenage characters who are Earthlings, those being Julie Winston and her boyfriend Kevin Corrigan. You see, Kevin is a roadie for a band who is setting up at the local high school, and I think he, he plays some instruments himself. Uh, so, you know, he's obviously going to love this cosmic key thing because it generates music and he doesn't understand what it is. He thinks it's a Japanese synthesizer because of course, of course. he does because it's the eighties. Yeah. Right. So even when it starts projecting a hologram that looks like a portal, everyone's like, yeah, this seems like a thing the Japanese <laughs> would be able to make. This is cool. Yeah. So, uh, Julie is important, though, because she's more the main character. Um, she's sad because her parents just died in a plane crash, and I believe yeah. she's planning on moving out of town, so Kevin is also sad because he's about to break up with his girlfriend due to events that neither of them really had control over. And real uh, quick
1: to note, they, they, we we first meet Julie uh, working at her fried chicken stand, with like a yeah, little yeah, fried chicken <laughs> diner. Yeah, with with like her friends and there's a lot of characters just casually eating really gross looking fried chicken while talking. In this movie this happens like a lot to the point where like it made me pretty hungry for fried chicken even though it looked really gross. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The um, but I, mean, I wanted to make note of this because there is one really good use of a grappling hook. First, they use the grappling hook to steal back the cosmic key and uh, bring it with them through the portal to Earth. But then they lose it. But then much better is that Quilter uses the grappling hook to steal some fried chicken from a making out <laughs> couple. <laughs> And then he, like, pours the sauce on his face, and it's fucking disgusting. But I just think it's like,
0: that's a pretty great use of a grappling hook to just grab some yeah, fried to, chicken. to steal someone's food. And and also, the Eternians have this weird conversation where they're like, oh, these people are savages. They eat meat. And it's like, yeah, right. wait, do the people on Eternia not eat meat? Because He-Man's pretty ripped. Like... <laughs> How did they? Yeah, he's got.
1: They must have like some crazy nuts or some kind of good other source of protein there (laughs) because it's
0: just protein shakes. Yeah, man at arms though is loving that fried chicken himself. He He, he just can't get enough of it. Man at arms. Man at arms Arms
1: too. I want to say man at arms looks uh, (laughs) looks a lot like an an imperial guard from Warhammer 40k, or maybe like uh, or more like a starship trooper. Like he has like some really like starship trooper looking armor.
0: Yeah, I I can kind of see that. I mean, of course, the thing is, you have to understand, first of all, that the costumes in this movie in general look like, I don't know, just cheaper Star Wars costumes generally. Like, they're not totally atrocious, but they generally don't look great either. Like, there's not a lot of coherence in terms of, like, style. Or any kind of thematic design. It all just kind of looks very hodgepodge. Tila's Um, basically
1: wearing like an action bodysuit with like a
0: thong over it. Yeah, right. (laughs) Instead of the normal costume of Tila. And Man at Arms, similarly, as you said, is just in kind of generic grey body armor. Like he doesn't really look like Man at Arms. Tila doesn't really look like Tila. Skeletor doesn't really look like Skeletor (laughs) either for the matter.
1: Skeletor is uh,
0: way fleshier in a creepy-looking way. Well, not even that. It's not just the face. It's everything. But anyway, we should probably get back to it. We can talk about this stuff later. So... Basically, uh, Kevin fools around with the Cosmic Key because he thinks it's a synthesizer, and this alerts Skeletor's Cosmic Key as to their location, so Evil Lynn gathers up a bunch of bounty hunters who you might expect would be like Skeletor's henchmen from the show, but instead it's not for whatever reason instead it's, it's three, just some generic new characters it's three
1: random assholes there's like one who looks like locutus there's another one who looks like <laughs> just like lizard man <laughs> yeah yeah and there's beast man he's the only one actually from the show and then there's um card i don't know so uh, card describe yeah that's just right. to me peter because i don't oh. know how
0: i've been trying to think yeah. of how to describe him for a while yeah oh
1: god he's kind of like um if like they got found a humanoid Falcor who had like grayer hair, I don't know. It's, <laughs> or it's like really he, hard to describe this guy. He's like he's like
0: a uh, hook-handed hair metal singer with a bad Halloween mask. I'd say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's basically that's his right. his appearance. And uh, so these three silly bad guys are transported to Earth. Uh, they try to kidnap Julie, but are stopped by he-man and then they go back to eternia and skeletor is like oh you failed me so he kills the Sorod guy who's the uh lizard Lizard man man. of course yeah and then proceeds to send them back to earth
1: (laughs) they kill the one of the most elaborate makeup of course
0: you only had that guy on set for one day thankfully Yeah. yeah. Uh, One would imagine. Or two days. Anyway, while that's happening, Kevin takes the Japanese synthesizer slash Cosmic Key to his friend Charlie, who owns a small music store. Uh, They debate whether or not it's Japanese. Doesn't matter. Kevin goes back to the school and finds that it is burning down because of the fight that just happened there. And uh, he meets a cop named Lubick, and Lubick annoyingly becomes a major character uh, because (laughs) (laughs) he just takes Kevin back to Julie's and then takes the key and leaves. And then Karg and his boys show up again, although now they're led by Evil Lynn, so excuse me, Evil Lynn and her boys show up. And interrogate Kevin with like a mind control collar, and then they leave, and then He Man and Julie arrive, and <laughs> Kevin tells them what happened, and then they uh, all yeah. go to the music stop or the music <laughs> shop, <laughs> yeah, where Lubick is try is discussing with Charlie whether or not this synthesizer is in fact Japanese, so or
1: Russian at this right, point, or and whatever. You know, <laughs> it, it, the, one thing I love that you pointed out is that this movie is like. Th- four different sets that all the characters just go to at different points in the movie (laughs) and they just cycle through like yeah it's like every character has to cycle through julie's house and then through the music store right so (laughs) and through the school and through eternia and that's it
0: (laughs) through castle grayskull not eternia because that's really all of eternia that we get to see of course that's true yeah. Um, so now that they're at the music store, Lubick is like, you guys are part of a cult, I guess, and holds them at gunpoint until they take his gun away and then lead him into the back. And then we have a very, like canon movie siege of this music store and by canon movie I mean like it feels like they actually just blew up the inside of a music store (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) like you see like a bunch of pianos getting fucking exploded it's crazy yeah like synthesizers and amps and stuff are just blowing up and what's funny about this movie also that we haven't really gotten into yet is that basically every fight is just a shootout like even though He-Man has a big sword and that's the weapon (laughs) he uses in the co- in the cartoons and presumably the comics here it, it he is, just kind of yeah. carries it and he shoots dudes with a laser gun most of the time <laughs> yeah so yeah so we have this big drawn out scene where there's the siege of the music store and skeletor's forces just literally smash through all of the giant plate glass windows to start it off <laughs> like <laughs> it's yeah. just totally ridiculous bullshit destruction uh and then julie sees her mom And her mom convinces her to take the Cosmic Key out to her, but actually it's Evil Lynn, of course. So Evil Lynn kidnaps Julian, takes the Cosmic Key, and then—or I guess she doesn't kidnap Julian, she just takes the Cosmic Key. And then she summons Skeletor to Whittier, California, which is the suburban location that all of this is taking place. Uh, So— Skeletor is now in California and he wants (laughs) He-Man's sword and He-Man meanwhile is flying around on basically like a manhole cover fighting dudes and it looks (laughs) really
1: silly. He stole this idiotic hoverboard from one of Skeletor's troops and oh the effects are horrible for him flying around because it really just like he gets on it and then it kind of just looks like they're floating around a He-Man action figure riding a fucking hoverboard. Yeah it's very
0: static Uh, and yes the hoverboard is just a small disc the size and shape of a manhole cover yeah yeah it's it's very boring looking so anyway he's flying around and there's this big action scene and then he uh tries to take the cosmic key but skeletor zaps him and then skeletor zaps the cosmic key and blows it up and also zaps julie uh mortally wounding her and then skeletor captures he-man and takes him back to eternia and gwildor is like no we lost the cosmic key how can we ever get back (laughs) And this is the worst part of the movie because yes. we're about 20 minutes from the end at this point, And a lot of that time is spent just like Kevin is trying to remember the tune, which is the code to get back to Castle School. And everyone's wow. like, oh, we got to give yeah. up.
1: Yeah, everyone else is despairing. And, like, the, at this point in the movie, when we get to the part where Skeletor and He Man are in California and they're fighting each other, like, I was like, oh, this is the climax of the movie. We're ready for it to end. All right, cool. Well, that's good. I, I have some time to do things today. <laughs> and then it's like, <laughs> nope. No, 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 no. There's 20 minutes left, and it's gonna be 20 slow minutes when we get into this really shitty part of the movie where we have to just like, oh no, we're despairing, we gotta figure things out. Right? Like, yeah, sure. Typical storytelling. I get it. Like,
0: but you it's know, just
1: but the, 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 it's awful. The thing that makes <laughs> it weird so... is that
0: the action. There are two action scenes that are very long and very like yeah. climactic, and they're back to back. And then we have this kind of slowdown where uh, these characters are trying to figure out a way to get back to Eternia. And, like, frankly, it's just all the characters we don't care about, which is to say it's oh, yeah. everybody but He-Man.
1: And Skeletor.
0: <laughs> right. And then eventually Gwildor and Kevin figure out that they can, like, jack a Casio keyboard <laughs> into this alien future tech that is the cosmic key and use that to provide the tune that gets them back to Castle School. Meanwhile,
1: I'm glad I'm glad similar to how in in uh, uh, Independence Day, they we they could design a virus, an Apple virus that could uh, work in an alien computer somehow. I'm glad that this uh, cosmic key from another universe has like an aux port (laughs) (laughs) that could connect to a Casio piano.
0: Yeah, right. I just I found it funny while watching the movie that like literally the the salvation of the heroes is based on a teenager trying to remember a song he heard once. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's literally what it is.
1: When also, Gwildar, like, well, we need to have a, he starts, like, naming TechnoBabel things. He's like, we need to have an oscillating uh, compiler. And he, Man-at-Arms is like, I have one of those on me. <laughs> 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 but we also need to have like a you know <laughs> a frequency generator and Tila's like I've got one on me right here
0: yeah like, fortunately they, they had, had all the pieces they needed <laughs> yeah,
1: all these absurd techno level pieces it's like yeah okay we just I carry that on me all at all
0: times of course yeah of course so. While this is all happening, uh, Skeletor is torturing He-Man. He has He-Man all locked up in chains, and it's very much like one of those old Hercules movies. Uh, and yeah, and they're using a
1: uh, a laser whip on him.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, right. And the effects for that look... Kind of cool, like, like they would okay. look really cool in like animation. I feel like in live action, it's just that kind of magic effect from eighties movies where it's like glowing stuff on the screen. Yeah, it's, and it's I,
1: drawn onto the frame,
0: right? And it looks very surreal in a way that's cool and i think it works here to be honest but
1: uh, yeah i think it looks a little it's like a little cheaper than most like most of the time when i see it in 80s movies it's done really well and it's mm-hmm. really cool and in this in this case it's like eh, it's it's all right it's like yeah, yeah it's kind of lasery i guess
0: i i think the whip looks cool i think skeletor's magic looks pretty silly but we'll get to that yeah. because Skeletor is God. torturing He-Man, uh, and he has stolen the sword and plugged it into his USB port that allows him to take the power <laughs> yeah. of Grayskull. And so Skeletor gains the power of Grayskull, and he gets this really ridiculous-looking gold armor with like giant horns and stuff, oh, and it just like, starts bas- zapping people.
1: He becomes he becomes so like Power Rangers, like. He, he looks yeah, like kind of yeah. like Goldar, <laughs> yeah, and yeah,
0: Skeletor <laughs> cosplaying as Goldar pretty much. Yeah, like, it really
1: is, and it's like it also just looks like the most like uh, absurd, over the top like tenth generation of like we're running out of ideas for new action figure things. Oh, <laughs> let's make the Power Mega Armor <laughs> like. It's like, really stupid and toyetic. Yeah,
0: yeah. It looks extremely silly. Uh and especially like Frank langella who's the guy who's plain Skeletor, is not a big man. Like he's a very averagely built man. So it yeah. looks extra ridiculous when he has this <laughs> gigantic helmet that's like as wide as his shoulders and yeah, yeah. it has like five horns on it and they're all the size of his entire arm like it just looks it's so top heavy it looks like skeletor is about to fall over if he leans too far in one direction at all times so skeletor starts zapping he-man uh the heroes on earth figure out how to teleport part of their like surrounding area into castle grayskull and Lubick is still there, by the way. Yeah, he comes he in matter, and starts of like No, he's still I'm there. gonna
1: arrest I'm gonna arrest all you guys. I'm I'm through with all this. Like at the very second they're teleporting, right, they're like, whoa, right. no. And they all teleport there <laughs> and like chaos ensues as like the guards start fighting all of like Tila and all those guys. Meanwhile, Skeletor tries to, like, fire one shot at He-Man, but, of course, misses and perfectly hits the <laughs> chain that is binding He-Man.
0: Yeah. So and now then, He-Man
1: breaks free and starts. everyone starts kicking ass. But,
0: but hold on, because the other chain, chain in his other hand, is destroyed in the same manner. Skeletor accidentally oh, zaps right. that one, too, because <laughs> yeah, Skeletor is right. a moron. And, like...
1: Yeah. <laughs> Like, that is some of the worst, like, enemy bad aiming in a... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no! Oh, it's awful.
0: I accidentally freed him twice! Uh, So, yes, uh, a battle ensues, everyone's fighting, blah, 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 uh, Skeletor and He-Man have their final showdown... He-Man gets his sword back, he breaks Skeletor's staff, and it looks like Skeletor is defeated, but actually Skeletor is a bad guy, so he's like, no, and he grabs a knife or a sword or something, and there's another fight for a couple seconds before He-Man just knocks Skeletor off a cliff, and Skeletor falls down into the depths of Castle Grayskull in a perspective shot that looks absolutely terrible.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Just... (laughs) Beyond awful, like you've seen that shot in a million movies and rarely done worse here. Yeah, Return of the Jedi, Die Hard, Teenage Mutant (laughs) Ninja Turtles 3, Dick Tracy. (laughs) Like it's in a lot of movies around this time. So, so yeah, everything's resolved. Uh, and Julie and uh, what's his name, Kevin, are going back to Earth. Uh, Apparently, Lubick is staying on Eternia, which is fucking amazing, because (laughs) it seems like no time has passed between the resolution of the battle and uh, Julie and Kevin going home. But in whatever amount of time that is Lubick is like dressed in attorney in robes and has a woman sitting on his knee and he's like, yeah, As I'm a, staying here. Life <laughs> seems great. I've got a castle. I've got a good woman. It's like, what happens? <laughs> yeah. How much time has passed?
1: It, it, it seems like less than an hour has passed.
0: At <laughs> least this has like, already <laughs> happened. it's like the maximum <laughs> amount of time would be like a day. I feel like, <clears throat> yeah. Because we're not shown anything. It's just battle over fade to Julie and uh, Kevin leaving. And that's it. it.
1: You know, I've spent this entire movie fucking hating Lubick. Like he's just he just slows the pace of the movie down so much because it's and it's and he's one note the entire time. He's just like, I don't believe this is happening. This isn't magic or crazy. Right, like this must annoyed. be a cult. He sees Gwildor and he's like, this must be some crazy cult. Like <laughs> you saw Gwildor like that dude doesn't look like a human. <laughs>
0: it's right. fucking crazy.
1: Crazy. It's not until he's teleported to Eternia that he, like, finally buys it. Like, like oh, okay. Oh, those are the bad guys? All right, I'll shoot him with my shotgun. Yeah,
0: and fortunately <laughs> he has a, sh- a pump-action shotgun to subdue our heroes, I guess, yeah. because he just starts blasting dudes in Eternia. <laughs> and then they're like, you know what? Just stay, I guess. This makes yeah. no sense for your character, but whatever, fuck it. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a it's a truly wonderful scene. The ending yeah. in general is great because then Julie and Kevin say goodbye and it's supposed to be very heartfelt. But like there's been so little interaction between Julie and the attorney and characters yeah. that it doesn't feel like anything. Yeah, uh, he, she so... gives
1: Gildor a kiss and like, you know, and Gildor's like, I can take you back. I can send you guys back at any time, you know, like any time period. She's right. like, ah, eh, whatever, see ya. And then, like the last second, she drives around. She's like, well, wait a second, and then teleports. And somehow that communicates to Gwildor enough that hey, yes, we we that... gotta send her back to the whatever day it was that she woke up, and her parents were gonna get on a plane and fly and then die and crash
0: so (laughs) yes she wakes up and is allowed to save her parents from this tragic plane crash and it's also revealed at this point that her father was the one flying the plane which (laughs) just opened up a whole can of worms for me because i don't feel like that's mentioned before and it feels like it changes the dynamic of my parents died in a plane crash to my parents died in a plane crash when my dad was the pilot. And it's yeah, like, it, was it, it a it commercial really... plane? Because that's what I assumed the first time. But yeah. if he's the pilot, that's like a catastrophe.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> like, 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 that's fucked up. And she, and she she stops them from going by, like, stealing his airplane keys, I guess. And or I assumed
0: off. it was the keys to their cars so they can't, like, drive to the airfield or whatever. Yeah. But regardless it's a very strange way to end the movie and then she meets up with Kevin and he's like no it was all real look i can prove it and he gives her this orb and inside the orb is he-man saying yeah. by the power of gray skull and then cut to credits uh. and then Eventually cut away from credits to have Skeletor pop out of pink water at the depths of Castle Grayskull and say, I'll be back. And then it's over because (laughs) no movie is complete without a sequel tease, even though the movie's garbage. Uh, Yeah, the garbage movie sequel tease is such a strong play. (laughs) I love that shit. It's like my favorite thing in movies, Uh, I think, is when a movie that is very bad is like, no, no there will be a sequel. Mac for and sure. will return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. It's especially funny in the context of Marvel, where it's like, you know that they're not just saying that yeah right you know that like, they'll have a million more of these things like in production so, yeah so it's it's amazing to see these movies where they're like we'll probably get a sequel we should yeah. definitely make sure that there's a hook in there
1: this is a star wars for the 1980s this thing's gonna be huge yeah right who <laughs> we'll would a trilogy
0: Yeah, who wouldn't want another movie with Skeletor and he comes back and apparently blows up all of Earth, which is something that was missing from this movie, but whatever. We'll we'll get to the break. Uh, When we get back, we're going to talk about what we thought about this movie and what we're going to be watching next. But Uh, I want to talk about
1: how gross it was seeing Skeletor all wet at the end. (laughs) It's really gross and unsettling it's like you can see like his makeup coming
0: off (laughs) well i mean we can talk about that too i think (laughs) let's go to the break
1: wait a minute I've, i've got it i've got it
0: masters of the universe will return in a moment Hey there, everyone. Just Michael dropping in during the break to do what I always do, give you some acknowledgements and, uh, you know, general information. Our opening and closing music is, as always, Vapor Diving. The music for the bumpers is Monkeys. Both of these tracks are by Anatech—that is, That is A-N-I-T-E-K. You can find more of their music on SoundCloud. Rights were secured through Jamendo. Dragon Ball Part 1 will release on January 27th. If you want to get in touch with us, maybe share a memory of Toonami. Uh, DM us on Facebook.com slash hpod, Twitter at hppod, or you can email us at hyperspacebroadcastpod at gmail.com. And now, back to Masters of the Universe. And we're back Peter, what did you think about Masters of the Universe, the live-action movie? <laughs>
1: I gotta tell you, so we watched this movie together, and by, by the end of the movie, I was falling asleep <laughs> through large swaths of the movie. And uh, I remember like enjoying, you know, watching it and be like, "Oh, this is some cheesy shit," and then falling asleep, and then waking up at the ver- <laughs> I woke up <laughs> when Skeletor put on his insane armor, <laughs> and just woke up laughing. <laughs> Yep. And then but then like in the the days following I was just like fuck. I need to rewatch this goddamn movie. <laughs> and so a couple of days ago I put it back on and I was like fuck it, let's do it. I'm just going to watch the whole thing. <laughs> and I rewatched the entire movie and you know what? I don't hate this movie. Um it's it's at least somewhat good bad. It, it definitely drags at parts, but it it made me laugh. Um it's not. It's not a very good He-Man movie. It's not a very no. good movie in general. It's it's very 80s B movie. It's very canon. And, yeah, that's uh, for there's, sure. There's something fun and funny about that. Like I can see why it's kind of become a cult classic. But oh, it drags on. <laughs> there's there's a lot of just boring shittiness in this movie too. Just right. like. The whole, any scene where Lubick isn't involved really is like just a <laughs> yeah, real Lubick drag. really
0: does slow everything down. Yeah. And like, th- you know, this, this is a movie people have talked about a lot. There are some mm-hmm. common complaints about it, and I share most of those. Like, yeah. setting it on Earth is a bad decision in pretty much every way, I think. And it's clear that it's just a budget concession. Yep. Like, they don't really do anything with it. The characters that are from Earth don't make any sense in the movie. (laughs) Like, the makeup in general doesn't look very good. The Skeletor makeup in particular looks quite awful. Yeah. And, like,. It's because they didn't have the money to properly do an effect to make it look like Skeletor's head was just a skull. So yeah. instead, they tried to make a man's face look like a skull, and it doesn't work.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it just. I mean, like- I
0: get how it happens, but it still looks bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. It just looks like a man, a man with like a pale, melted face.
0: <laughs> like. Right. Well, and in general, the costumes are really weird because, like. Like, I feel like Teela and Man-at-Arms are really more just that He-Man is the only character that I think really looks like the character does in, like, the cartoon. And yeah. I'm not trying to suggest that everything needs to look exactly like it does in the cartoon. Obviously, you need to do some adjustment for live action. But, like, He-Man and Teela, for example, do not look like they come from the same place or yeah. know each other or would, like, work together. They're just completely different costumes aesthetically and i mean that's true of man at arms too like there's none of the kind of i don't know how to put it like kind of conan the barbarian-esque aspects of their costuming but he-man is still totally conan so it's just like this shirtless ripped guy hanging out with you know Random generic soldier and random and generic Space girl Marine. soldier.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and in fairness, though, the original He Man is also really all over the place for his aesthetics and oh, costume yeah, design that's too. Definitely true It's like it's like yeah, I mean you know we we're we're like half sci fi and half Conan you know fantasy. It's like but like not in a way that really makes any sense. That's like true. Half very colorful,
0: but I I think the difference is that. In He Man, the cartoon, for the most part, characters will have aspects of both the like quote unquote yeah. primitive design and the technological design. And this movie kind of like that's true separates those two things out into separate things instead of being combined aspects of one costume. Yeah,
1: that makes sense because like Man at Arms and Teela are just straight up sci-fi. Yeah, and then, right.
0: And then the Gwildor and He-Man Man just, are
1: just straight yep, up fantasy. Straight up fantasy. And, and there's uh,
0: no crossover Skeletor's between those fantasy. two things.
1: Yeah, Evil-Lyn is pretty much just fantasy. Yeah, they Yeah, and Skeletor's
0: yeah. soldiers are just black stormtroopers pretty much. Yep, they're just stormtroopers yeah. in black armor. They look completely generic like Yeah. Uh, again, none of Skeletor's henchmen show up. It's like I think that's my major complaint is just that it does not feel like He-Man to me whatsoever. Yeah like
1: well, yeah like there is no prince adam in this movie at all he's right, just he-man which all the time terrible and, and that's the, the thing. sword the sword of power which is supposed to turn him into he-man like that isn't a plot point and that's like the easiest thing to make into a plot
0: point like oh he lost his sword now he's weak oh no you know yeah, like now he's weak and he has to like trust in himself as adam because yeah. i would argue fundamentally he-man is about identity And this movie is not about identity at all. Like, that's not what it's about. And that's not even an element of it. I mean, yeah, he doesn't even turn into Adam when Skeletor steals the sword and is draining its power to make himself into, I don't know, Skeletor He-Man, like gold armor guy. Yeah, It's just, I don't know. Like, it feels like such an easy thing to do that they just didn't bother. It's weird that there is no Prince Adam in the movie at all.
1: And it's crazy, too, like up until the last 10 minutes, I was like, I'm pretty sure they will never say I have the power in this. Like the right, one right. huge catchphrase <laughs> of the show, like the major giant catchphrase. And then he right. finally does at the very end when he gets his sword back and it like, I guess, powers him up. But it really makes no difference. Yeah. but he was going to get stupid armor, too, but no.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then at the very, very end where it's just yeah. kind of tacked on as an <laughs> obligation. Pretty much. Yeah
1: where he's awkwardly shining inside of an amulet, just going,
0: uh, yeah, I have the power. <laughs> I'm in here for some reason. And the thing is, it's not just that it doesn't feel like he man, like aesthetically it's, I think that the problem is it doesn't feel like he man thematically either. And yeah. Also, frankly, I think setting it on earth is a serious, bad decision. like, Again, not just for the aesthetics of it, but there's no reason for it to be on Earth except that it's cheaper to shoot on Earth than in a fake place where you need to make sets. Yeah. Like, Skeletor doesn't threaten Earth. He doesn't come to Earth and see a new realm to conquer. He just wants to get He-Man and go back to Eternia. Like, it seems
1: like... He has no interest in (laughs) Earth.
0: like it really seems like if the main characters hadn't bothered saving he-man earth would have just been fine forever after that point yeah which is definitely strange <laughs> yeah. and also like the the big problem with it for me is that one of the things about the masters of the universe brand to me is the very like epic scope and feel of it mm-hmm. i mean That's why all of their characters kind of look like Conan the Barbarian. There's, like, this epicness. And setting an epic story in, like, three blocks of an incredibly generic suburb where (laughs) you can't damage any of the buildings because they're real. And, like, the only thing that your character with world-destroying power can fuck up is... A music store the size of my apartment like <laughs> yeah. it just loses the epic scope completely like where are the big battles where are the you know earth shattering stakes it just where doesn't the feel like it's there it's too small yeah. and intimate in a way that feels more appropriate for like a quentin tarantino movie <laughs> but it's fucking called masters of the universe like yeah. How is the most memorable action scene in a movie called Masters of the Universe a bunch of generic soldiers fucking up a music store yeah. that's crazy
1: and and and, like I said, no one is outside. there are no like bystanders in this, yeah, movie that's either. a problem
0: too, which is just crazy <laughs> like, like and like it's all shot at night on closed streets, and they didn't bother getting extras, so yeah. like no one even witnesses any of this. No one
1: notices like Skeletor's multiple giant flying battle cruisers like, <laughs> going over the city.
0: <laughs> yeah, there isn't a shot of someone seeing it in the sky, or like, like even just a shot of a little kid seeing it, and then you yeah. know that classic thing, and then just a like, guy eating, look. and then the f-
1: a, a guy eating, and then the food just drops out of his mouth. Yeah, 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 so exactly. Shot. Like,
0: <laughs> like
1: a dumb kids you know,
0: movie joke. That's extremely basic stuff, but it does make the world feel like other people exist yeah. in it. And <laughs> right. this movie, it feels like the world has like six people in it, and they're all the main characters. And then after the movie's over, they just go back. Like, yeah. it's so small It's like, wittier population. So wrong.
1: <laughs> wittier Population 8 after the devastating <laughs> right? car, after the devastating plane crash that took out a uh, 20% of the population.
0: Yeah, I guess. Only twenty percent, though, maybe, and somehow their population is eight. Maybe,
1: maybe their total population—maybe like
0: their total uh, population was ten. In other words,
1: that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, I may have done the math wrong there. Fuck off! But the, here, like, <laughs> also, <laughs> here's here's my stupid dark theory. Well, what if like all the people in this small town were on that plane? <laughs> and oh, they crashed. And my... They all died.
0: Here's my dumb dark theory. What if all the people in the town died from a disease the Eternians are carrying that they have no immunity to because it's from Ooh, another universe? That's Or, ugly. like, just yeah. another planet entirely. It's kind of like Skeletor. War of the Worlds, except the humans die instead.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great pitch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, much more interesting. Much more exciting. Um and then, to be honest, my my real complaint about this movie is that I can't even tell you what, like, this movie's supposed to be about yeah, in there's terms no of message. theme or, like, message. Like, <laughs> yeah. the themes of yes. the characters' different motivations and plot lines do not add up to a central, like, point or purpose. They're all kind of separate. And then once you're done with the movie, you're just like, all right, well— yeah. That was that, I guess. I, I don't nothing. know what I was supposed to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. Except maybe some light entertainment. And it wasn't that entertaining to me, honestly. It was just kind of there. Like, yeah. yeah. So so I guess let's <laughs> move on to recommendations. Uh, Peter, what would you say? Is this a visit, a revisit, or best left in the past?
1: You know, it's a revisit, sort of. It's It's definitely, it's a... I think it's kind of a good bad movie to watch with friends. Uh, it's a <laughs> dreadfully bad movie, um, but you could get some enjoy- enjoyment making fun of it. You know, this is what I say, like, I think every year for every live action thing we've watched.
0: Yeah, it's but, also worth noting that this is one of the few times that you literally fell asleep in the middle of the movie. <laughs> fair, yes. <laughs> Which suggests that it's not that uh, gripping. That's true. Um but you, you do
1: not want to miss Skeletor's Golden Armor. That's, that's true. The one, Skeletor's that's the Golden one thing Armor that, is excellent. That's the one thing that I was like, you know what? I'm I'm a little glad they tacked on 20 minutes of this dumb fucking movie <laughs> just so I could see this completely stupid armor.
0: Well, and, it, you know, it has to be said, like, Frank Langella, Langella, I should have looked up how his name is pronounced before it's we Langella. recorded. I'm an idiot. But he really puts his fucking work in here like he is he is clearly having a ball playing skeletor apparently he wanted to play skeletor because his son who was four at the time like loved he-man so he is giving it his all and like it's the cheesiest performance but it's just exactly what the doctor ordered for this movie it is it is good yeah I would say, other than that, there's, like, nothing memorable. Dolph Lundgren is extremely boring as He-Man, and yeah. I like Dolph Lundgren a lot, honestly. Like, I I don't think I've seen him in many movies where I thought he was bad. So, he's kind of bad here. Everyone yeah. else is just average, I'd say. Um, I, I would give this uh, probably Best Left in the Past with maybe a conditional revisit. like. Sure. You could probably get some enjoyment out of seeing this now if you were an adult and you saw this as a kid, but I'm not sure I would necessarily seek it out. There are definitely better movies that do this kind of thing and are just more coherent, like, say, any given Marvel film, pretty much. Um But it does have a certain charm of, like, that weird canon energy. So, I don't know. If you're into that kind of thing, it is kind of enjoyable. I would say... Kind
1: of B-movie thing, yeah.
0: Yeah, right. I would say definitely the gold armor Skeletor is worth looking into. And, like, if you can just find the scene of the battle in the music store and then (laughs) He-Man flying around on a disc, like, that's kind of all the movie you really
1: need. There, You just mash that Uh, together, you're all good.
0: yeah and i don't know why i just love the music store fight so much because it's so ridiculous <laughs> yeah, it's how just
1: like, stupid it is the one thing where they're like all right let's blow some shit up <laughs> like, Yeah, it's, the one, and it's just it's like one time they really took their gloves off
0: <laughs> yeah right it's just funny because i've seen other canon movies and like Invasion USA, they blow up an entire neighborhood like they literally are just blowing up houses because it was like an empty neighborhood scheduled for demolition anyway. So they just bought it and blew the shit out of it. That's awesome. And and it's so much more like like seeing that kind of chaos just contained within this very small space is very funny to me.
1: You know, I'll tell you what, though. um, This movie may not have been very good, but I did enjoy it a lot more than Chronicles of the Heroic Knight.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I I enjoyed this movie more than that show also.
1: (laughs) This movie is also mercifully shorter. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, and they didn't spend, like... There wasn't a point halfway through the movie where He-Man was like, Okay, Julie, hold on. Sit down. Let me explain Skeletor's origin story. (laughs) Yeah. Like... (laughs) Let's introduce... Let us me explain the backstory of Eternia to you. Like, no one See, cares. Doesn't Let's matter. introduce
1: these, like, 14 other ancillary characters who are fighting a different unrelated battle oh in Eternia. God. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's Let's talk where Oraco like, like, and Battle
0: Cat are. They're just fighting yeah. someone else on uh, Eternia somewhere else.
1: And then you tell me about, like, political characters on Earth that don't matter to the plot either. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll just spend 13 hours fucking... Oh, hashing it out
0: lord that nightmare uh, but that nightmare's are, over we're back true. to this so uh, looking forward what are we watching next well that's your decision because you <laughs> won the bet last time so right i'll ask you peter what are we watching next
1: i think we're, i think it's about time we cracked open uh kind of the yearly tradition that we watch dragon ball z but we're kind of out of dragon ball z in terms of the stuff that aired during tom two i'd rather mm. uh Save Majin Buu saga and, and Saiyan saga and all that for uh, for a little later, but Dragon Ball aired and we haven't watched any of that, so let's watch the first arc of Dragon Ball.
0: Yeah, can't wait to crack open a can of Dragon Ball. It's gonna <laughs> just gonna juice it down in one shot. Oh throw it against the wall it shatters into glass <laughs>
1: Yep, this <laughs> is
0: great <laughs> can't wait uh yeah well we'll be watching dragon ball and the first arc of that is the pilaf arc i believe oh um, yes i love pilaf <laughs> yeah pilaf is a very fun character i am skeptical about dragon ball but we'll talk about that when we talk about dragon ball sure. until then i'm michael doke and i'm peter Eby. And be sure to revisit us in two weeks. We'll be talking about the first arc of Dragon Ball.
1: And have a Happy New Year. Very belated Happy New Year. (laughs) Hey
0: there, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening, and I hope you're staying safe out there. Um, The last week has been pretty horrifying, honestly, uh, the week after the Capitol riots, that is. And I I don't really know what to say other than I think I speak for everyone when I say that it's terrifying and it shouldn't represent who we are as America, but it seems more and more like this is what America is. And I know I've been doing a lot of thinking about it, and I don't know, I guess I just wanted to say something because uh, I imagine anyone who's listening to this has been thinking about it, and you're not alone. Uh, We we love you, not just because you're listening, but because you're alive, and all I can really say is call your representatives, try to make your voice heard as much as possible, and stay safe. Just, I guess, try to remember that we're all in this together, and do what you can do, Um, and really, bottom line, stay safe. So I hope that this has given you some distraction from the existential horror of the world, If you want more of our content, you can follow us at facebook.com slash hbpod and twitter at hbpod, where we post all of our episodes, as well as additional content related to what we've been watching. This is a great way to get in contact with us if you're so inclined. And leaving reviews on your podcatching app of choice is also a great way to spread the word, which we really, really appreciate, genuinely. So stay safe. Try not to think about it too much, but also try to do what you can. Um, and stay safe. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks for Dragon Ball. And really when you when you hear that they died in a plane crash, you're like, oh, it was an accident. And then when you hear they died in a plane crash when her dad was the pilot, you're like, Oh, that's like a disaster. Like that's like a tragedy that actually happened off screen that we didn't know until right now. Yeah. Right. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's
0: fucking crazy
1: but, and they probably they must have just added that detail to be like well how do we get her to stop them but also like get away from them and it's like well I guess he's, she's got to take his keys to the plane
0: <laughs> well and it's, it's way it's way too morbid also if the suggestion is that she's only stopping them but the plane crash will still probably happen that's true <laughs> and it's like god I mean, I'm just saying, like, if it's a commercial plane crash, then she's really obligated to warn more than just her parents. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Lubick. All right, let's get started. Yep. All right. In three, two, one.